It is time to go deeper in God's Word. It's time to engage in truth. Here is Dr. Steve Ford and Pastor John Bornsheen. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornsheen. I'm here in the studio with Dr. Steve Ford, and we are so excited to be back with you today. We hope you had a wonderful Resurrection Sunday last week as we deviated from our study. In fact, the last couple weeks we've deviated from our study because we had a special guest in the studio, Commander Frank Lewis, sharing with us about law enforcement from the front line. Then we had to talk about Resurrection Sunday. That is a message that needed undivided attention because it is the most special day, in my opinion, of the entire year because all of time was affected by that singular event, an event that was foretold from the very beginning. And so we praise God for a risen Savior in whom we believe. Going back to our study now, we are discussing the 10 biblical warnings you need to stop ignoring. So, to welcome him back, Dr. Ford. It's always so good to have you back in the studio with me as we cover these vital subjects, and I'm looking forward to all you have to share with our listeners today. Welcome back, my friend. Thank you. He is risen. <laughs> We're so excited about that. Amen. You know, it's interesting when you think about the fact, I hadn't really maybe completely thought this out, but Jesus died, we know, for the sins of all. Hmm. So when, you, when we read these scriptures, uh, the Passion, we read these scriptures of Jesus' suffering, and his crucifixion to know that Jesus loved all those who put those acacia thorns into a crown and pounded them into his head. Mm. The soldiers that pounded the, the nails into his body, he loved and forgave them. The people that were doing all these things to him on that day, mm. Jesus loved and forgave them. It's That's just right. absolutely beyond mind blowing. Oh, we had a really wonderful time, not only talking about the details, even Genesis 1-1 of Barashith, you know, Barashit as it's often said in the English, the very first word in Hebrew, six letters that as there are pictograms within the Hebrew text, 22 characters, Hebrew is the only language that is three languages in one. And so you have symbolism, you have a numeric value, and you have a, a letter that phonetically, as you put it together, you have these words that are formed, and all three then have deep meanings. And that very first word, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, point to the Tav, and the Tav of Proto-Hebrew looks like a cross. Wow. And it was all about the symbolism in that of a prince who leaves his dwelling place to come to be crushed by the divine appointment of God to go to the cross. And those six letters put together to form one word that is three in the English, one word in the Hebrew, in the beginning. A plan of God from the very beginning so that was fulfilled at the cross, but not just in the death of the Savior, but in the resurrection of the Lord, all 355 prophecies given in the Old Testament, all fulfilled perfectly. And if they hadn't been, the universe would have ceased to exist. Right. So the fact that the universe kept going on demonstrates <laughs> the fact that all those promises came true. Amen. The Savior went to the cross, died for our sins, defeated death rose victoriously and we have life eternal for those of us who believe of course it should be celebrated and here a week later we're still (laughs) celebrating with great awe and reverential awe before the lord because he's worthy to be praised and so as we go through our study here today it's it's a wonderful thing to get into god's word and be convicted and over the last few weeks we've talked about these 10 
biblical warnings you need to stop ignoring. Just in the title alone, we're convicted. And because we do get a little complacent, and we do, uh, well, we start to think we've got these things all figured out. That's somebody else's problem. Uh, I've got this. When in reality, we find that we fall short in all of these areas. And number one, we talked about never being lazy and how that can affect everybody around us when we're not taking our role as an ambassador for Christ seriously in every single thing we do, that even the eyes that we don't even know are looking at us are observing, even from afar, and watching how a servant of the Lord behaves. The Apostle Paul talked about that, to imitate him because he imitated Christ. And all these years later, almost 2,000 years later, we're still doing that, imitating those who've gone before us, the patriarchs of our faith, because they likewise imitated Christ. We are then told to avoid sexual temptation. That's a big one, even today, when we see it all across our television sets, There's all this immorality that is just thrown in our faces. What are we going to do about that? Are we going to shut it off? Are we going to adapt to it, acclimate to it, and not be as uh, concerned about it, desensitized to these things? May it never be. Even in video games and everything else, we're just seeing it thrown in our children. And the graphic sexuality is being perpetuated even in school systems today. And even in libraries, we hear all these things going on, and they should break our hearts. We need to be sensitive to these matters because the Lord is very grieved by these things. Thirdly, we were told to repent of our sins. We have got to be a people of repentance. That's what the early church was known for, being the repenters, because they recognize that they fall short of the glory of God on a daily basis. Yes, we have the Holy Spirit in us. Yes, we're a temple of the Holy Spirit on two legs. And yet we find that the flesh is constantly in contention with the things of God. And that's what the Apostle Paul spent a great deal of time discussing with us in Romans 6 and 7 especially. Then we were told to stop unkind speech. That's even the gossip that falls into that category that it should never be in the body of Christ as we are told to be of one mind, one voice of praise as the Apostle Paul implores us to do in Romans and in Philippians. We need to think through these things, how our words can negatively impact others, and yes, even the positive words, how they can cross generational barriers. I mean, words that can be spoken today can impact generations not yet born, uh, according to Psalms. So we, we love the fact that Psalm 78 reminds us that we do this, that generations not yet born may praise and know the Lord. Then we're number five, to run from youthful lusts. That's a big one because we often lump that into the category of some sort of sexual temptation. And what we found there scripturally is the fact that there are so many temptations that we are given into that demonstrates immaturity. We're supposed to be growing up in Jesus Christ, likened to soldiers who are not laying deep things into the the soil of the occupied territory, meaning they're not to uh, plant themselves as, as if this is all there is. Believers are not to be thinking about temporal things. We're to be thinking of eternal things, laying up treasures in heaven. And so often we get so inundated about, oh, going to the grocery store and our landscaping and how's the car look? Better take it through the car wash. We're supposed to be thinking about lives being saved today. We are to arise, put on the armor of God to represent Christ as light in the dark places because darkness is acting like darkness and it keeps getting darker. Yeah, you make a great point because if we are not being intentional about those things, they are not happening. That's right. Because they are are contrary to our flesh. So if we're not actually being intentional for the beginning of every day, 
to try to make it so where we are acting and living like ambassadors, we're just going to get swept away. It, it, it's a shame that there is no muscle memory in this department, right? right? <laughs> oh, we have to was. do this every day. Yes, <laughs> That's right. being crucified. Yeah, every day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah dying to self, alive right. in Christ every, every single day. Uh, then sixth, we were told to renounce ungodliness. That was a big one. That took a, an entire broadcast really focusing in on that topic alone, that we not drift back into the abyss of sin, uh, not being a debtor to flesh anymore, but to deny the flesh, walk as the new creation in Christ that we've been called to, to, to live and walk and be set apart from this world because we're in Christ Jesus. And so today, let's pick up number seven of our 10 biblical warnings you need to stop ignoring is to quit stealing <laughs> that we think immediately as believers are listening to this going, well, I don't have a problem in that area. That's definitely somebody else. So if you're just tuning in here, before we get into this study now of quit stealing, yes, even for you, what we'll find is that we all fall short in this area. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Engage in Truth. This is a broadcast of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church. We're one of the Calvary chapels on the south end of Colorado Springs. And our services are 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. on Sundays. You can learn more at calvaryfountain.com. So we are talking about these 10 biblical warnings we need to stop ignoring. So we need to quit stealing. And most people, I don't believe, think of themselves as thieves, especially as Christians. I don't think that we would naturally assume in this area that we're stealing anything. But let me tell you, we know that this is a problem even today, especially in teenagers who will go to youth group and they will sing praises even on a Sunday, but then they're tempted to go home and adults as well and download software without paying for it. I mean, this was a big deal back in the day when you started to see uh, songs being downloaded illegally and all sorts of uh, software that's available there. That's a, an easy, low-hanging temptation, especially in the digital age. We just go, ah, you know, it's okay. They put it out there for a reason. They would shut it down if they didn't want me to borrow that. Or, you know, I've heard people saying, well, there's live sporting events that cost a significant amount of money. Hey, my buddy sent me a link, so I'll just watch it for free there. And we know that there was a disclaimer attached to that, that we shouldn't be viewing something without having paid for it taking something without having exchanged something in return. And we know, of course, with music, that's a big one. That's copyrighted content. Even in churches, we can find ourselves borrowing music without the CCLI licenses. These are big issues. Or even going to work and not working to our utmost potential. That even in itself is a form of stealing. We might think of it as, well, I took a few extra pencils today. No, you know, when you're even not working like you know you should be, maybe taking an extra long break, looking more to what you're going to do during your lunch hour instead of giving your all in the moment, you are robbing from your employer. Yeah, spending time on, on our computers, on our phones. I mean, the... People on their phones is just ubiquitous. I mean, that's just <laughs> all over the place. You know, in the middle of the workday, even if you're, I mean, I've been at physicians' offices, whatever. I'm looking around me. People are just looking at their, you know, people are working there, <laughs> looking up. I mean, it's it's become sort of an addiction, and it's really, I, I think, challenging for people. But you make a great point. But this is really 
stealing time from our employers that they have paid for our productivity for them. That's right. And we need to remember that and be disciplined and honor God in that. Well, and you know, even whatever you're doing, you work at is working for the Lord and Amen. not for men. That's right. And that can even be in various uh, sporting events and sure. various activities. That's right. Uh, you know, if you are on a baseball team and maybe it's a softball team at work, and you're losing, what happens? Our attitude goes south. We don't play at our best potential. We think that's a lost cause anyway. And what we fail to realize in that is we are representing Christ at all times. Every waking moment, we represent Christ. So even in a what appears to be a losing situation, when we learn to arise in that moment to the glory of God and encouraging our teammates and putting a smile on our face and refuting the instinct of the flesh, that, that desire of the flesh to be negative and uh, you know, detrimental to the mental well-being of the team and just be a sourpuss, you know, right. whatever the terminology you want to throw at that, that's easy. That's what we do by default in our sin nature, rather than arising to the occasion and learning like Paul and Silas to pray yeah. and to praise right. and to worship. In, while in stocks. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> while in captivity, while in bondage, while being un- unfairly treated and beaten right. for doing the right thing, they learn to praise in the throes of those circumstances. So, uh, Dr. Ford, we had a number of scriptures here that you took the time to put together, and I think it's important that, especially on this program, we give the scripture, not just our opinion, and I certainly hope that our opinions are always based on scripture. We can back it up. And in this subject alone, we can certainly back up the fact that we are told over and over again to quit stealing. In fact, this is uh, one of the Ten Commandments. I mean, it should be easy enough in that alone, but that's the Eighth (laughs) Commandment, not to be a a, a person who steals. But Ephesians 4.28, I'll kick it off with this, Dr. Ford. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. We also have 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11, and it says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the spirit of our God and Romans 13, seven pay to all what is owed to them taxes to whom taxes are owed. <laughs> it's a tough one this time <laughs> of year, right? <laughs> uh, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed and honor to whom honor is owed. Yeah. I really like that one. We also have uh, Leviticus nineteen thirteen: You shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a hired worker shall not remain with you all night until the morning. If we have paid somebody to perform some service, or if we have hired them, we need to pay them in a timely fashion. That's right. Uh, Proverbs 11, 1 says, A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. Because what we find there is God hates unjust scales. And, and we see that the Lord Jesus is going to rule with a rod of iron. That means he brings a new standard. And with that new standard is an expectation of honesty in all things, because he will rule in that way. And we remember he's going to rule for a thousand years during the millennial reign, and he'll rule from his new temple. It's a magnificent temple there in Jerusalem. So he brings a rod of iron. It's not one that we would just think of saying he's going to smack people on the heads with a <laughs> rod of iron, but rather that is like the king's royal standard. 
uh, meaning he brings a new measurement and it can't be broken. Mm-hmm. And, and this is the standard he brings of, of just scales. Praise yeah. be to God. Amen. And then as you had mentioned earlier, Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Amen. And all things. And all, all things. Well, let's move on to the next one. I think we've covered that one quite well. The next one is one that many believers wrestle with because we hear so many maybe varying opinions that are not fully rooted in Scripture. I mean, that we tend to do that. Let's be honest. We, we read a Scripture, and then sometimes that Scripture takes a, a new turn, a new paraphrase, and then that paraphrase is paraphrased, and then suddenly <laughs> we find ourselves way out from right. what Scripture has actually told us on these matters. But this is a big one. Number eight is to resist the devil. And James chapter 4, verse 7 really speaks to this a great deal. And so, Dr. Ford, I'm just going to highlight a few things on this. Love for you to chime in because sure. you're really in a, in a, I think, a loving spirit, put together some real good, healthy guidelines for us on how to resist the devil. But when we look at James chapter 4, verse 7, what we see here is some important text. Uh, he, he tells us here, let me read it again, James 4, 7, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, the word submit there is hupotasso. It literally means to be subject to, in a sense that a soldier is expected to carry out the orders of his commanding officer. So you are to submit to God that he's the authority. He's the power in this. You're his officer. You're his soldier on the front line. That's a theme that the Apostle Paul will really address with young Timothy in 2 Timothy. So the submission is living a life that says to God, not my will, but yours be done, according to Matthew 26, 39. So submission here is not identical to obedience. Submission involves the surrender of the will that results in obedience. So we have to submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And what we have to find then is, are there any areas in our life that we have restricted him full access to, even though he's going to have it anyway, but we try to hold on to it. Yeah. Like we're going to compartmentalize this part belongs to me. That part belongs to you. No, he he (laughs) wants it all. And he rightfully deserves it all. Now, I, I don't know about you, but sometimes the Lord has a way about him where when I was a young boy, we did silly things as boys tend to do. I mean, I can tell you all kinds of stories of us swinging on ropes across ponds that, you know, had snakes and all kinds of stuff in it. I just think about it and I would just go crazy if my grandson were doing that today. Uh, but we did that. And fortunately, glory to God, we never got bit and things like that. Just amazing. I think sometimes I think the Lord just made all those bugs and creepy crawly things just to entertain little boys like he did for me. But we played this silly game called Mercy. And for those of you who have ever played Mercy as a child, you remember that you would interlock your fingers and maybe around an arm, a wrist, and you would twist until there was such discomfort, you would finally succumb to scream out, Mercy. And that, I believe, is what the Lord's special gift is for us, (laughs) because we so often in our stubbornness don't want to allow him full control in these areas. We withhold it. And in submitting to him, we finally release maybe that deep sigh of relief, mercy. It all belongs to you. And so as we resist the devil, he says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist is antistemi. It means to set oneself against or to oppose. Because what Satan seeks to do is four things to the Christian. Number one, deceive, discourage, discourage discredit, 
and distract the four D's. So we resist by refusing to do those things. And therefore he's forced to flee, which is fugo. So after Jesus was victorious over the devil in the wilderness, Luke concludes his account with the following verse. Now, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Luke chapter four, verse 13. So we must spend our lives relentlessly resisting the devil. It's not a one-time occurrence. He is this epitome of darkness, and we are the light in the cave of darkness, bringing the light of truth into it. First Corinthians 10, 12 to 13 says, therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Here's the thing, though. You have to want to flee. And I've thought about the story here that if we try to stand up to the devil in our own strength, we are going to fall every time. Every time. He's yeah. not afraid of our flesh. No. He's afraid of who occupies that flesh. That's because right. as a temple of the Holy Spirit, Jesus says he comes in and dwells with us. He's at the right end of the Father interceding for us. We're a temple on two legs. I recall the movie The Lion King. Now, I know that there's people who think about Disney and that sort of thing. Let that not distract you in the moment. Uh, because the movie The Lion King has this wonderful scene. There's a scene in there where the little lion cub is being threatened by several large hungry hyenas. And he tries to retaliate with this little tiny baby cub growl, like this little tiny <laughs> pathetic thing. And, and and they merely laugh at him and then continue their advance. But suddenly they stop and their eyes grow wide because here he lets out this big, you know, in all his effort. And they, they stop. They're staring at the cub and they all like cower away. And he's thinking, yeah, my little growl scared them all away. But what he failed to realize was the, the, the big daddy lion was standing right behind him. The father was standing behind his cub. He's the one that they were scared of, right? He was the big one, the strong one. They were terrified of him. He was not to be trifled with. So our resistance to the devil is like that. The Lord who defeated Satan, he's the one who went to the cross. He's the one who defeated death. He conquered sin. He arose in total victory. Satan is the defeated enemy because of the lion of the tribe of Judah, Amen. not because of my little roar yeah. in the face of Satan. And so in him is why we take our strength. That's why we submit to our Lord as a faithful soldier. And that's where the victory occurs. Amen. Yeah, that is such a great analogy. And when we're tempted like that, just to be able to call on him to you know rebuke that temptation, that's right. you know, to help us in our time of need. You know, he's ever faithful and always present. Amen. And all we have to do, it's like so many of our songs take today you know just you know saying jesus's name that there's power in the, there is power in the name for those of us who believe and worship him as our lord and savior oh i love that when the disciples said that even just evoke in the name of jesus right the demons ran in fear right it was in his name it was always in the name of jesus and everything and certainly we can you know start to abuse that and and you know we've seen scriptural examples of that as well where even ones who didn't believe you know, that they were enticed to, you know, use the name of Jesus. Right. And, and then they were beat up, the right. sons of Siva, right? right? The they were beat up horribly. It was a wonderful example of, you know, they, they were not believers. And there's a difference then. If we are fully persuaded, we are believers in Christ Jesus. We're marked by the Holy Spirit, and we know where our strength comes from. It is right. not in our strength in which we are taking 
uh, some sort of this, this, this path of victory into the throes of hell, as if right. we're going to take a water pistol and go against hellfire. It, it's because we, our strength comes by way of the Holy Spirit, who says he'll give us the words to speak. We only need to be bold and open our mouths, and he will use us to God's glory. Right. So, Dr. Ford, I know you've got pages here oh. on, on resisting the devil. So I want to come back to this next week, because you've got some wonderful points I think we need to continue this vein of thought. We can't just do a five minutes on how to right. resist the devil uh, because there is a lot of confusion in Christendom on this right. as we, especially as we think we can start to blame the devil for everything. Yeah. We need to be very careful in that. So we need to give some clarifying text on that. So I want to encourage you as you're listening to this program, stay tuned next week. We're going to continue in this vein of thought. Dr. Ford's going to give us some wonderful pointers on how to resist the devil from a biblical perspective. And we'll continue in understanding these 10 biblical warnings we need to stop ignoring. I want to thank you for listening to Engage in Truth. Again, this is a program of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church. I have the privilege of being the senior pastor at the church, and, and Dr. Ford is a wonderful friend and a, a wonderful colleague of mine. And so we'd like to encourage you to come check us out at Calvary Fountain. Dot com. Services are 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. on Sundays, and we'd love to see you there. God bless you, my friends. Take care. <laughs>